G'day punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50. Between us today, four premierships, two Brownlow medals, Shane Crawford, Jimmy Bartell and yours truly, a man in desperate need of a cut and colour. Welcome back, Jimmy. <laughs> We've missed you the last couple of weeks and I tell you what, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for GWS in your absence. Yeah, roller coaster. And after last night's performance against the Crows, I think it was on on the downward bit of the roller coaster where everyone's sticking their arms up and screaming. That's what it <laughs> felt like last night on the couch. Uh, look, incredibly disappointing, especially with finals on the line. Now it hasn't put a line through their their finals aspirations, but it certainly does make it tougher. And uh, Crawford and I were just going through, and we're, we're trying to do that thing where you almost need a maths degree to work out. Um, who, who makes the finals, who wins, who loses, uh, if this team wins both games, if that team loses both. Look, the Giants can still make it, but they pretty much have to win out, really. And so they should if they, if they want to be a serious finals contender. The unfortunate thing is you've got teams like the Demons, the Giants, who all pretty much could control your own destiny, um, yet, you know, whether it was mental flaws, physical flaws, we're not too sure because we're not obviously behind closed doors, but... You know, I suppose you look at the Demons. Why have they lost their last two matches? And I look at the, their loss to the Swans only a week ago, and it was purely on effort. And I'm like, really? It's a great opportunity to get yourself into the finals. It's been a real good turnaround from where they've come from. And and now they're sort of, you know, just throwing it away. So, you know, the, right now the coaches are going to earn all their money. They've got to try and get the players up. It's been a, an interesting year and a different year, but you've got to – mentally find a way to really want to get yourself in there, put everything on the line, play like there's no tomorrow. And unfortunately at the moment there's a couple of sides and the Giants obviously losing to Adelaide. Yeah, there's just too many question marks. And it's, uh, yeah, it'd be very confusing. And I know the coaches are very confused and perplexed about what's going on. Uh, I know it's easy for us to say, and, and you know we used to play a fair bit of footy back in our days, Shane and I, and... We always manage to motivate our, ourselves and get get up for the game, but it, it might be a little bit too simplistic for me to say this, but I don't know how you're not up and about and excited to play football. There is literally nothing else you can do. You're just sitting in a hotel. They're, they're still in a hotel, and I know it's it's a bit nicer weather up there, and um, a lot of them have family and friends, and they're in quarantine, but I'm not I'm not sure what else would get you excited during the week. Like you, can, you can't do anything else during the week at the moment. The Giants are probably... Point to the fact, and there's some low-hanging fruit for some excuses. Couple of players out. Every side's got players out at the moment. Early get up, you know, to fly from Queensland to Adelaide to then return home. But finals on the line. That's all you can do at the moment is play football. You've got a shortened game, which you should go. Geez, I can go even harder here. I'm not going to have to pace myself through through the game. If some players think that, just go as hard as you can for the first quarter. And so that's probably what was a little bit disappointing from the Giants. They were just lacked energy. Were flat. So, um, went brave with the ball, only 26 inside forward 50s. Yeah, I think a few players would have had to you know, get in the room of mirrors, I think, on the way home back to Queensland. Now, looking at the Giants, they've got a massive game against Melbourne Saturday night. The winner, a big chance to still play finals. And I think if you look at the list of both the Giants and Melbourne, they do have a lot of upside if they can get themselves right mentally and play some good footy. But for the loser, it's going to be a disaster of a season. Shane, where do you see the upside for GWS? Well, obviously just trying to win this match and put a uh, four-quarter performance in from an effort point of view. But f- from a team point of view, like when, when I think of the Giants, when I think of the Demons, you know, you, you look at the good sides. I look at Geelong and I just think how wonderful they are at working for each other at the moment. Something that 
I sort of questioned over the last few years, which I, I just don't think they had that real connection like they do right now, which is pretty special. So, and that's what it comes back to. If, if you want to win games, you all have to play for each other. You know, you have to defend like your life depends on it. You know, you've, you've got to attack and, and give the ball to the best person in the best position. You know, you see the good sides. You see Richmond, balls in the pocket. They're always looking to bring it inside and pass it to someone in a better position. That's what good teams do, and they do it consistently. They don't just do it every now and then, and I know the Giants can look at me like a million dollars. The Demons can look like a million dollars every now and then, but very selective on how often they do that. And you've got to, you know, it's a real mindset. I think it's from a leadership point of view, you've got to be really strong on anyone who's not doing what they, they need to do from a team point of view 100% of the time, not 99% of the time. 100% of the time. So that's what's lacking with those sides who are pushing around the eight and even some of them who are in the eight. But the very good sides are just want to get out and play for your teammate. You want to make your teammate better. He wants to make you better. And it's amazing. Once you get that that respect and that link and that connection, you become unbeatable at times. You really do. But it's doing that 100% of the time, which is the hard thing from a coaching point of view, but also from a, a team leadership point of view. Jimmy, looking at Melbourne the other night, if you were the coach, what would you change with the game plan? And would you have in the starting lineup each and every week, Viney, Brayshaw, and Oliver? Well, I think it, with this uniqueness of the season, I think you've just got to double down on what you've got because you don't have the opportunity to change things during the week. They just don't have access to the players. They contact them at a time. Now, they're, they're some of your best players. So go with your best players and double down on it. So they're inside contested players but then it's what you put around them you put you know some running some kicking and you should encourage your halfback line to get up really high and try and get those handball receives so what i'm saying is if you're really good in the contest you've got one of the best ruckmen we've you know seen in the last decade you know along with with grundy and i'm talking about max gorn all right we'll play a contested stoppage game long down the line but that doesn't mean you go slow you can do that in a quick manner you can get numbers to the front and square I said bring your half-backs up so you get them inside. So if you're Viney and you're Oliver, who love to handball the ball, we're feeding it inside and we're going quick. So we give our forwards a chance. So just encourage that sort of stuff. But it would be difficult for uh, Simon Goodwin and, and Leon Cameron to actually coach a game plan at the moment when the energy levels aren't there. So you spend the whole entire time putting out spot fires on the field. You're not actually coaching to what you want to do. You're actually going, well, this player's down, so I've got to move him. And this player's down, so I've got to you know, change some positions around and I think we have to play a little bit safer so then you don't actually get a chance to execute anything but I, th- I think this year, Quinny, you just go at this point in the season, two games left, go with your good players in form and just go down with that game plan. There's no point changing it now. You're not going to be able to really have any impact. Watching the game against Fremantle the other night, when they lost, Max Gorn looked distraught, Jack Viney looked distraught and a lot of them just looked like they'd lost the game of marbles and they'd play another one in five minutes with no repercussions. You two both fiercely competitive. How would you have reacted if you watched your teammates on the back of that devastating loss look like they didn't care? Fremantle dominated. Uh, what, they kicked nine or ten mm. points early. <laughs> so they were dominating. And I was expecting a huge response from Melbourne. The week before they played the Sydney Swans, you watched the first 15 minutes of, the, of that match and I... I I challenge anyone to go back and watch the first 15 minutes and you just tell me which side's working harder. And the Swans were clearly working harder. I'm thinking, 
oh, hang on. You know, even though the Ds were in it from a scoreboard point of view, especially towards the end of the first quarter, it, it was a bit of a fake scoreboard from an effort point of view. So I thought, oh, we're going to get a response from the Demons, surely. Season on the line, make finals. And they dished up that crap in the first half against Fremantle. Fremantle are really good, consistent side. They've come a long way. And they're very they're, they're teaming well. You know, they're, they're on the way up with a lot of young kids, whereas it was all about effort. And why were the Demons, why did they challenge in the last quarter? Why did they get urgent then? Why did they look like a different side? Where was that in the first quarter? So my thing is, after a loss or after even after a win, like on a Monday, Tuesday, you get a real good indication of where your team's at mentally. You know, you have a win, sides can get ahead of themselves and feel reasonably good about themselves. And you have a loss and some sides can really, you know, have that stealer resolve and, and really not like it. And I know back in my time, I had lots of players who just hated losing and hated, you know, just had a terrible week. Try, couldn't wait to get back out there and, and redeem themselves. And so I reckon that's where the coaching comes in, you know. I remember times with Alistair Clarkson, we'd win by 100 points. And we'd have a meeting on a Monday and it felt like we lost by 100 <laughs> points. You're walking out of there thinking, oh, my goodness. And do you know what he did? He whacked all the, the feel good about you because he knew, no, nah, we're going to get back to the grind. We've got to work hard. If we don't bring the right attitude every week, you're not going to win. And that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing with the Giants. That's what I'm seeing with the Demons. It's, it's not skill. Yes, we can question game style at times, but it's having courage and it's effort. If you get that going first, it's amazing how things just flow from there. And just further to Shane's point, and you, you mentioned uh, the couple of the Demons games. I, I watched their first couple of quarters, and it was this safety, you know, risk adverse, which we, we talk a, a lot about in football players, just protecting their own position, don't want to make mistakes, I'll just kick it sideways, I'll just put my arm across my man. You know, Croft was talking about it perfectly before with, with the Cats, and when the Tigers are flying, it's, well, our whole team might have a goal scored against us, so I've got to get over and help out my teammate. It's not, I might have a goal kick, kicked against me, and... The reason why I think some sides, like the Demons and other sides, they flick that switch in the last 10 minutes, I think it's the fear of being embarrassed. Geez, I better you know, pull the finger out here and I've got to run a bit harder and I've got to be a bit attacking. We've got to try and win this now. So that's why I think it swaps in, in the last quarter. And I, I agree with Shane. When you have a, a bad performance or a good performance, it's the sides who are really good at the fundamentals and the grind and they embrace it. It sounds like we're talking about American sports here, you know, you know, embrace the grind, but all the really good sides do it. You know, Hawthorne, when they're winning premierships, they just grind it out. They did the fundamentals better than anybody else. They're the best kicking side for about five or six years there, the Hawks. Now, better training. They just would have just worked on that skill, basics, basics. You know, handballs don't miss targets. You know, Geelong was the same. You know, you go to American sports, Bill Belichick in New England, just not do your position and do it well. You know, the, the San Antonio Spurs all about the fundamentals, like they talk about. Their best player of all time, Tim Duncan, was known as the big fundamental. It's just, it seems boring, but that's what wins. Melbourne Storm, all they talk about is doing the fundamentals and repeat, repeat, repeat. And as Shane was saying, you're never as good as you think you are, but you're never as bad as you are. And if you have that level mindset when you come in Monday, well, then you'll get after it. And uh, from a personal point of view, yeah, we, we could have won by 10 goals of the Cats. But if I missed a set shot, and I missed it right, it eat at me. I'm going, well, what did I do wrong? Because I practice it, I drill it, I know the cues that help me with kicking. So the first thing I'd do on, on a Monday morning is I'd get a big bag of footballs, I'd go to the exact same spot, and I'd go through it until I nailed 10 in a row because it was like, okay, I've addressed the issue. 
and it shouldn't happen again. Now, yeah, I might miss another one, but if you've got that mindset of taking ownership of your career and that constant want to get better, that should flow on to the rest of your teammates, I think. So is there a chance that it sounds simplistic, it just doesn't mean enough to these Melbourne players? Well, you've you got to hurt. Like, if, if you've got pride in what you're doing and, and from an individual and from a team point of view, you, you've got to hurt. Like, it's got to really eat at you, as mm. Jimmy did say. And it used to eat at me. It used mm. to make, determine whether or not the week's going to be good or bad if we win or lose, you know. But then, even then, I knew I had to put even more focus after win because, hey, we don't want to drop down. We've got to keep that and maintain that focus. But... One thing I'm seeing um, with a lot of footballers, they're coming off at the end of the match and they look like they're ready to go another quarter. You've got to leave it all out there, okay? What is it, 16-minute quarters? You, you've got to go as hard as you possibly can. You can you've got to leave it all out there. You, you can't get to the end and go, oh, you know, I, I feel pretty good. That just means you haven't worked hard enough. And I've said it a few times this year, there's been matches where I've seen Dangerfield they actually have to carry him off at the end of the game, which I'm just saying he is just leaving it all out there, which is a great example to everyone, you know, and he's been playing in different spots. And even if he's playing forward and having a bit more of a rest, he's still absolutely putting everything into it. So I just I just want players to empty the tank every time they play. You, you should not come off. I, I remember there's times I'd come off the ground feeling so sick. Like I just need to lie down for half an hour. You know, and I knew that if I didn't get to that state, that I obviously haven't put everything into it. And so mentally you get yourself to a situation where, oh, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be around, but I've got to get to this state by the end of every match to know that I've just done everything I possibly can to help my side, to play well and to contribute. I, th- I think there's different meanings this season for some players and especially experienced players who, or, who aren't really – at the top of the table. Now, you know, the Cats and the top four sides, yeah, the players absolutely trying to be switched on and having a go because they can sense a premiership and they don't want to be put out of the side. It's these middle-rung sides, which are, you know, there's some senior players across a number of teams. I know we're touching on Melbourne and the Giants, but a few others as well who just just means for them to play and play good enough, you know, to sort of keep their reputation intact. But you tip your cat to the, the Swans and Freo. Now, they've got stacks of young players but those young players, are, they're trying to prove themselves. They're, they're coming up against five, ten-year-plus veterans, and they want to... And you throw Gold Coast in there yeah, as well. Gold Coast as well is another good example. Now, the only thing those three sides are getting done is on probably a bit of experience throughout the year, and they're fatiguing at different points because they're just not match-hard and they're having two, three seasons under their belt. But when you watch, you know, Caleb Sarong and uh, Chera, those young Frio players... The Swans, when you've got, you know, side bottom, row bottom, sorry, side bottom, <laughs> row bottom, the other yep. bottom, uh, row bottom, and these sort of guys, McInerney from, from the Swans, they're trying to establish themselves. They're like, I'm at the AFL level. They're up and about already. They're excited. They want to prove themselves. They want to, some of them want to keep a contract, want to keep a spot. They want to show their coach, round one next year, I'm in. And they yeah. want to take on the good players. Yeah. You, you can see, like, that's the great thing about some of the young players. They, they look forward to taking on the very best players. You know, I just think that is a, an, an amazing quality. You know, you've got someone who wants to be there, will do anything to be a part of it, and then they're saying, give me an opportunity, you know, and Frio's a perfect example of Sarong, you know, taking on the very best midfielders in the competition. Why? Because it's a great way to learn. But two, do you know what? He's actually showing great fight. You know, that's why he needs to be highly considered as the rising star this year because of the quality of opponent he's matched up against and he's actually some at some stage outplayed at times. 
It's coming down to the wire to make the finals. Now, Collingwood, I think they'll get in. They might miss. If they were to miss, they're the only team of that batch I could make genuine excuses for because they have been decimated by injuries and unfortunate circumstances that have gone against them. If the likes of the Western Bulldogs, Melbourne, Greater Western Sydney miss the finals, that's a big F on the season for mine. Would it, in a weird way, be better for these teams to miss the finals and have a full re-evaluation of what went wrong as opposed to making the finals, maybe win one, then give themselves a pat on the back? No, you never miss the finals. That's never an answer. You can still do uh, the re-evaluation or you know, the review or whatever other words you want to do. Have a look at where you are because you, you'd be focusing on the, the season as its entirety. And I think it'd be a cop-out for a lot of clubs to say, oh, it's been unique and it's been tough. But it's been tough for everyone. Everyone's played under the same rules and conditions. I know there's been four-day breaks and there's been flying in and out of states and things like that, but it's been tough for everyone. And I don't think whether you finish 12th or 7th should change how you you review your season. But it would, wouldn't it, depending on how they performed in the final? If you came out and won a final and even made a prelim... Yeah, that's the good. So even last year, the Giants... But a review takes it all all into place. Like, every club does a review. Review's almost a, a dirty word in... In AFL, because everyone goes, oh, review, yeah, something's got to happen. But every every single club does it. You're reviewing every week. Yeah. You, you review Mondays. You're reviewing, you know exactly where everyone's at, what the club needs, where everything's heading. You know, this is a bit different because, you know, you've got to offload some coaches, you know, how many's going to be on the list next year. So there's a lot of question marks around all that. But clubs know, and they would have been, they know exactly where they are halfway through the year. And they're behind closed doors. They're banging down on players, managers' doors, sussing out availability, what they need, and you've always got a, a very clear sort of indication of where you're going and what you're trying to achieve because the board holds you accountable to all of that and they want to know, you know, whether it be every second week, is it monthly or whatever, but at the end of the day, there's always, you know, especially these days, when I first started, we didn't get feedback on how we're going till the end of the year. <laughs> and they said, oh, by the way, you're delisted. <laughs> See you later. You need to work on your kicking or your decision-making. Whereas that's the way it used to happen. Whereas these days, from a playing point of view, you you know where everything's at. From a list management point of view, you know exactly where your list's travelling and what's going on and what you need. And, and um, yeah, there's just nowhere to hide. And the media know everything as well. I sense with Melbourne it would be better if they did not make the finals and they make some harsh decisions in the off-season, and if they maybe make the finals, maybe win a final and then feel good about themselves and do nothing again going forward, which we've seen from that football club time and time again. So, so what, are you, what are you going to do in the off-season? If, if you're in charge of Melbourne, what are you going to do? Firstly, a, I'd make a coaching change. I don't think that will happen. They've got to severely change the way they play, and I don't like the team at the moment with those three players that are basically identical in Viney, Oliver and Brayshaw, and then no run and carry, no penetrating kick, and they just have got nothing when they go forward. Yeah, but how, how do you, has that changed your opinion if they win a final? So you've just outlined something that is still the same at round six to whether you win a final. That's the same list, same game style. So why are you saying then if you, if you win a final, it changes how? Because I don't opinion. think they'll be as ruthless. I don't think they'll make as many tough calls because if they win the finals, especially a club like Melbourne. Well, then you've got a problem. Again, with personnel, if you're not able to see through all the reads of just uh, one final win. But it's the same with GWS last year. Like, they lost the first final. All of a sudden, there'd be some harsh changes. They didn't. They make the grand final, and then they've done what they've done this year. Mm. I think if you look back at your cat side, which 
hit rock bottom and then bounced back and right. won the premiership in 2007, that can be a good thing. If 2006, if you snuck into the finals at the end, maybe mm. you won a final, mm. would you have bounced back as hard the next year? Yeah, not sure. Um, it, the Cats didn't hit rock bottom in 2006. They I think missed, a few people would say you did. You missed the finals by a game. As premiership favourites at the start of the year. Oh, round two out of 22 rounds. Still premiership favourites, though. <laughs> that, that, we don't make uh, the premiership favourites the likes of you at the start, <laughs> the premiership favourites. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And the, yeah, the Cats made some adjustments uh, after 2006, and but they would have been making those review decisions all the way through, as Croft was saying. They would have looked at personnel, the dynamics, who can do what, can people be shifted into different areas, but they didn't change the list. You're asking to change the list. The Cats didn't change the list at the end of two. Changed the way they play as well. Now, Richmond, 2016, another prime example. Didn't had a shocking it. year, but changed the coaching personnel. Yeah. There were heaps of changes. Changed the way that they played. Made some big adjustments yeah. on the back of making the finals three years in a row and doing nothing. I, all I'm saying is just by winning a final, um, you, you still don't change those decisions. But I think for a club like <laughs> Melbourne, it would. I think a club like Melbourne would be less ruthless in the off-season if they made and won a final as if they didn't make the finals and it's seen as a clear-cut failure and something must change. Well, that, that's the problem, then. If you can't be ruthless to make the decision anyway, that, that's your first problem. I, I, I think they'll be pretty strong on the direction and what they do and, and which players they keep involved. But um, Hawthorne, 2009, after winning 2008, didn't make the finals when everyone expected them just to continue on. But that was, like the, I think it was 18 guys had surgery you know, so there's there's little excuses. And sometimes, especially sides on the way up that are gathering momentum, sometimes, yeah, I, I do get your point. It is, it's, it's not necessarily uh, a bad thing to miss the finals. Uh, but in some other cases, and, and every team is different, you know, as Jimmy said, you, you want to try and make the finals every possible year you can. You know, you want to be a part of it. You want the players to have that feeling, especially the young players, to actually feel what it's about. Um, that's one thing that used to drive me nuts is when Hawthorne, when we weren't a part of the finals and everyone would go off on their holiday overseas um, and they wouldn't even be here for the grand final. I, I used to I used to want the, the club to make it compulsory for all the players to go to the grand final and, and realise what we're missing, realise, go along to the finals and realise we're not a part of this, it's not good enough. Yet you've got players gallivanting all over the, the world, you know, just getting away from footy. So, you know, that re- used to really, really... Uh, drive me nuts, and I used to get jealous of it. I used to absolutely hate it, and it used to drive me. And it, it was one thing. I think you know. I think was it Kevin Sheedy? He sent his whole team yes, onto a grand final. Nineteen ninety nine after losing that prelim. Carlton, yeah. that prelim, he made the whole team go to that granny. The what next a master week. stroke! And what happened the next year? Lost one game all season. Yeah, so they went on and won the flag. You know, and how how much did that have to play with them? Obviously, you know, you, you got all that hurt. And that's what we're talking about with the Giants and with the Demons. How much are they hurting from week to week? And this club carried that hurt all year. And it's the same with the Cats in 208. They weren't at their very best, but guess what? They, they were hurting. They found a way and they, they won the next year. They, they didn't smash St Kilda, but they destroyed you know, all the hope for the fans of St Kilda because if Geelong win 208, there's probably every chance you just take the foot off a touch and St Kilda win 209. So... It's, you know, you've got to have that drive. You've got to have that desire. You've got to have that hunger. You've got to have that real leadership group that drives that as well. The younger kids have got to have a real understanding. You've got to miss it. You've got to, you know, you, you've got to live and breathe it. And if you don't, and that's what, you know, a lot of kids that are starting out the AFL footy these days, 
haven't lived and breathed a lot of AFL football. So this is a job for them and it works out quite nice. There's a, there's a bunch there and Matty Rowe's a great example of someone who's like, give me footy. But there's a lot of players these days and the younger generation who haven't even played an AFL game that, yeah, they have a kick with their mates, but they don't live and breathe it like Jimmy used to and like I used to. So it's a different mentality and that's something that we've sort of got our head around. If it works out, it works out for them. Whereas for Jimmy and myself, we had to make it work because we wanted to make it work and there was no excuses around it all. Whereas, I don't know, they're a bit more rounded. They see to see the world in a different platter compared to all of us. So it's not necessarily the end of the world if it doesn't work out. Whereas for us, I felt like it was. Just the first probably question Melbourne will have to ask your Melbourne demons is you have to sit there and go, was 2018 what we are or was that the aberration? And what do you think? Well, I, I don't know because I, I'm not inside Melbourne. Like, I don't know the personnel that you need. At the have. list. Well, but the, it's how you want to play. You have to get, do the broad thing. You have to actually then think, is, was 2018 what we are or was that just we just all aligned perfectly once? So that, that's the first question they have to But looking at their list, what do you think the answer is? Well, I'm not sure. I have to have a look at a deeper look, like straight off the top of my head, I have to probably go look at their games. People who live and breathe Melbourne and um, you know watch every game and know who's right, who's fit, all that sort of stuff. You know how they've addressed the draft, all that sort of stuff. Skill skills for me is one for the demons. When I look at the demons, they had the option to get sorry to get two skilled players in the top ten of the draft, and the two players they got are going to be super players, but they have to address were they the right players at the right time. All those sort of questions need to be asked. Like Jackson and Pickett are going to be. Really, really good players, first and foremost. But the, you know, the the speed and, and kicking. There was Young who went to Freo was available, and, and Lockie Ash. He now he's at the Giants, but he was the quickest kicking player in the in the draft. So you you have to do all these decisions at the end of the review. So sorry, Crawford, jump no, in. No, no, I I, mm. I like Jackson. I think he's going to mm. be good. So I think there's a lot of hope there. But I I do agree. They need that run. They they need that sort of player who can who can spread from, you know, stoppage in the middle of the ground. It's sort of like the old Hawthorne theory when Lewis and Mitchell and Hodge, after a while, it's like, no, we can't have all three because we need someone to run and break the lines and, and give us a bit of spread. So I think the Demons are in that situation now where they they definitely trying to find the right type of running player to bring in the mix. But you know, they've got Max Gorn. They get first use of the footy. I think if they can tidy up their skill under pressure, it's not skill kicking the ball out onto the wing when there's no one around. It's actually the skill under pressure and at worst case scenario, kicking the ball to advantage. I think if they can fix that and have those type of players, you know, and we for a while had a player who wasn't allowed to kick the footy. So you've got to know who's capable of doing what and where. So you've just got to get the ball into the right player's hands and um, they'll make the better decisions, and it works out best. But you've got to know your role. And what frustrates me is when Gorn does take a mark, they all run away from him. You need someone every time just to be programmed, run past, get the handball, yeah, keep but, it but moving. The thing, is, the thing is, and this is another thing that annoys me, players know that Ruckman want to feed off. So that some are just going past for the cheapie, okay? Get it, yep, and I'll make a better decision. But they're, they're putting themselves under a lot of pressure because they're, they're too close to the Ruckman. You've got to give yourself a bit of distance, so then you can make a better decision running past. You've got to give it to the right person. And there's a few teams out there, maybe maybe the Hawks are in this situation where a lot of players line up to get a nice little cheapie um, at the back of the Ruckman, whereas 
Do you know what? For a little while, I'd say to the ruckman, don't give it to them. Don't give it to anyone. We want them to run forward and get into a more dangerous position. At the moment, you know, they're getting little cheap possessions. Whereas the good teams, they'll just push on to a different part down the field. Whereas, you know, they'll only feed off to the right person at the right time who's got a bit of space to then make that kick or that decision. On GWS, they went into this year as a genuine premiership contender after making last year's grand final. They've lost to North Melbourne, Sydney and Adelaide. That could be the difference between a top four finish and missing the finals completely. How on earth does that happen? He's going hard at you today, yeah, isn't Jimmy? I, I thought I answered that <laughs> a little bit before. I think we, we sort of covered that when we've been talking about uh, Melbourne and, and the Giants collectively. Like, yeah, there's, there's plenty of low-hanging fruit, as I said, for excuses. Yeah, they, they just have had too many players out of touch, out of form, haven't worked their way, way through games and throughout the season. I like them getting defensive. Hey. That's not defensive. That was pretty <laughs> much... How's that? Th- I pretty much nailed it. They're like, they, they've just had too many players down this year. Like, you've... I mentioned, um, you know, the coaches. It'd be difficult for, for Leon Cameron, you know, trying to put a game plan in, into place when you've got so many players out of form at the moment. And they need a spray from you. A spray from me? I don't think that really matters, does it? Could do. You might be coaching Melbourne next year. That might be our next rumour to get going, Croft. <laughs> well, I reckon he'll get them going It's not too. a rumour if you actually just openly say it on social media. <laughs> there we go. You're coaching Melbourne next year. There's the headline. Yeah, there's no money left in the AFL now. Yeah, you'd have to take a pay cut, especially with all your gigs. <laughs> Croft, who's going to keep their season alive Saturday night with a win between GWS and Melbourne? I, I honestly, I don't know. Right. I, I really, I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard one because we know both are going to come to play because, you know, they've, they've been embarrassed over the last few weeks of what's gone on and, and that's one thing we can guarantee. It's going to be on. So that's great. We're going to have a good game to watch. I, I don't know why I'm leaning towards the Demons because I, I can't sort of trust them. But then again, I can't really trust <laughs> the Giants. But, you know, I, I just go with Max Gorn and the advantage, you know. And if the Demons can find a way to have that work ethic, maybe that might be enough to get them across the line. But wouldn't surprise me if this is a draw, this game. There we go. <laughs> like, Take the $41. Yeah, it would, wouldn't Can't surprise me. And it's the same with the West Coast game. That wouldn't surprise me if that's a draw with St Kilda and West Coast because – I really, you know, West Coast aren't at their best um, away from home. The Saints were a bit flat against the Hawks. Um, they had a bit of a freshen up prior to that. So you, you can springboard um, a week later after, you know, having a good look at yourself and, and fixing a few things and they rested a few players. So the Demons and the Giants, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a draw. It really wouldn't. <laughs> There's the headline next week. A nil week. all draw. Genius predicts the draw. Crawford put away the board games, the AFL rolls on, and so does Tab's AFL Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly, gamblers help, 1-800-858-858. At the other end of the scale, Friday night footy, and it doesn't get any bigger than this, Little depressed it's not going to be the MCG in front of 85,000 people, but Geelong and Richmond, will this be a grand final preview? Could be. Um, you know, Richmond, if they get back Grimes and all that running into the finals, I, I think it could be a, a grand final uh, preview. I think these are the two best sides at the moment. Um, you guys uh, heard me here weeks ago say I think the Cats are the, are the premiership favourites, and that wasn't because I was wearing my, my Cats pyjamas. I just think... <laughs> As, as Croft touched on earlier, they've just got that connection and they just are playing for each other. They bat deep. Um, they've still got players to come back into that side. Selwood, Ablett, 
Um, their, their forward line is functioning well. Gary Rowan has gone to probably mm. probably fulfilling the potential. That How quick is he? He's, he's lightning quick. And what about his leap? Like, it's well, just incredible. Well, he's always getting the third or fourth defender, which he will expose with his, you know, um, athletic attributes. So he'll always be able to do that. And big Tommy Hawkins, the second most famous person from Finlay behind Shane Crawford. Mate, he, he's on fire. He's so Tom good Hawk. at the moment. Coleman medalist. All Australian. Do you know what's great with Tom is his connection with Duncan. I don't understand yeah, why the whacked. other sides they aren't onto it. Every time Duncan gets it, regardless of where Tom, if you have a camera shot on Tom Hawkins, he's either looking or a little finger point or he'll run away and then hook back. He just knows that Duncan's going to go bang. He and for some reason, the rest of the AFL haven't worked it out. He's been doing it for 10 years. Like, oh my goodness, Duncan gets the ball, coming inside 50, it's going to Hawkins. It's, Duncan's not super quick. He just uses the ball yeah, he uses the ball well. He's a beautiful kick, makes great decisions. He and probably Hugh McCluggage are probably the only two genuine – oh, Andrew Gaff, sorry, is probably another one – genuine wingmen who just purely play wing. They don't come inside the contest. They're just good ball users, but – yeah, Duncan's been doing that for 10 years. As soon as he yeah. gets the logo on the ground, where's Big Tom? And he knows just sit it out in front of him, give him ample time. He doesn't kick it hard to him. Just give him no. ample opportunity just to get poof, push off, come into the footy. And and still for defenders to wrestle Tom Hawkins. Like, You're not going to win that when one. When are you going <laughs> to learn? Like, it's it's not hard. Like, wh- why on earth are you trying to wrestle Tom Hawkins? And he's the one that's being physical with them. Okay, hold, 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 and then go at the footy. So, you know, they need to really, you know, think about what they're trying to do. For, for some reason, big, strong defenders think they can go down there and you can't push him. He's a, he's a man mountain. He's like one of those big silos at mm. Finlay. Yeah. Like he just stands there, you know, gets the ball kicked to advantage and then he just works himself towards it. And he's working hard. Like even when he goes up the field, which, uh, you know, we've seen him at times out of the uh, 50 arc, He's just – he's very good with his hands, good decision-maker. He can mark the ball. He's a good kick. Like, he, he's had a great year. He really has. And um, I, I don't know why defenders seem to think they can wrestle him. It's and, just on a hiding to nothing. And I don't know why – because he takes the forward 50 stoppages. He has one ruck move. He yeah. and, and he works so effectively. And what does he do? He grabs it. He grabs it, <laughs> but he waits for the opposition ruckman or key defender to get in front of him, and he'll just go, doink. Push him in, and he'll he'll take it here, and he'll either snap it or go feed off, yeah, feed off. But he'll stand behind him every single time, and you like watching the TV and go, if we're noticing this on the couch, and you guys have got access to footage, surely do That's... something about it. Make him stand in front for a throw in or a baller. And uh, th- this week he might get Bolter, Noah Bolter. So you, you just hope, you know, and it's great for a young kid to play on. You know, someone like Tom Hawkins is so experienced and and so good at what he's uh, he does and his craft, but. You just hope that he doesn't think that he can get in there and wrestle a big bear because he's going to get eaten alive. <laughs> um, look, Geelong are just a well-drilled side. Same with Richmond. Richmond, you know, are very, very dangerous getting more players back. But um, whoever loses will take uh, a great deal out of it and still think they can win the premiership. And whoever wins, you know, will take great confidence out of it as well. So it's it's sort of one of those matches where it – it doesn't really matter who actually wins this match. I still think both coaches are going to keep a bit up their sleeve for finals because they'll want an extra trick. And Paddy Dangerfield's had an amazing year. He can win the Brownlow medal, I can tell you right now. A lot of people think it's locked and loaded, but he 
his impact on the game, and I know he, he hasn't had to have 30 possessions every game, but when he wants, the way that he charges through the packs, spreads away, marks the ball above his head, kicks the ball, you know, kicks his kicking goals, plays in the forward line on the hard lead, he can definitely be a huge contender for the Brownlow. And he's still wonderful odds. Like, he really is wonderful odds. Geelong are winning all these games. And he has to be in the threes or twos nearly, you know, every game. And, he, and his second halves and his last quarters, always very good. Well, we know yeah. he's a great vote getter as oh, well. Yeah. So he will come strongly. That is I think Geelong sure. will win the match this yeah, week. That was my I next do. question. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll win the match. I just think they're, they're really humming along at the moment. There's great desperation with the young kids they're bringing in. You know, I like young Guthrie. I like big Guthrie, but I like young <laughs> Guthrie because he, he, he can run. You know, when Simpson was playing, I liked him. Gives him a whole new look. The young kid in the forward line with the – is it close? Yep, Brad Close. Yeah, like he, he's showing a lot. Like you got Myers there. You've got Dalhouse. There's great pressure. Um, you bring Ablett back. You bring Selwood back. It's – Jimmy, they'd have to be I, – I know their walk-up starts, but there'd have to be a lot of – a long team meeting around making sure you got enough run, enough pressure, and the look of the side from a Geelong point of view going into the finals because that's the, the great thing is they've got – probably 30 to pick from, and then somehow trying to, to pick their best 22. I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's a good position to be in if you're the Cats. Like, you, you mentioned close, but like, do you go Ablett or close? You, you're probably going to lean towards Ablett, but you've got someone there if he does get hurt or, or something happens. You've just got another one to plug straight back in. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I, but I think the Cats will probably uh, win comfortably in the end. And, again, it's not going to be a, a great loss to Richmond because I, I think – the Tigers or the Cats, if they start to get down by four goals and it's late, I just don't. I just think they park it. They just go. Well, it's been a yep. it's been a loss. They, we'll just start resting players. You know, not rest, rest, put them all on the bench. But they just won't try all the tricks or, or go flat stick right to the end. And so, I, I think you just attack it with doing as Jimmy said before. You do all the basics well. You know, you do everything from a, a setup point of view. You do all your basics really well. Richmond brings back in Edwards who I think's a bloody beauty. <laughs> so uh, that's another real tick to Richmond, you know, come finals time. And right now, the next couple of games leading up to the finals, you want game time into players, but you also just want consistency with the way that you're setting up and going about it and the communication. So if you haven't backed along for the premiership, you reckon you should do so before they beat Richmond this week because they'll be at the top of the they'll market. They'll come in... Uh, uh, Should have backed them weeks ago. They're going to be hard to beat in a grand final, Geelong, absolutely. they Like even a few years ago when they were highly favoured and, and whatever, I always fancied Richmond at the MCG from a running capacity, but I reckon they've fixed a lot of those areas. You know, when, when you see Gary Rowan up the field zipping around, you know, and then they've got some of the younger players who can really cover the ground. You've got Dalhouse. I think they've fixed those areas, which – you know, that they felt might have been an issue against, you know, like a fast Richmond side. So, yeah, I reckon they're a totally different side to the side they've been over the last few years. Their bottom five, even though some of them are still the same bottom five from a couple of years ago, are better. They've Just from experience playing finals, you know, the, the, the natural maturation of being an AFL player, the way the team's going, you know, more defined role, all that sort of thing. This is not going to be Gary Rowan from finals a couple of years ago. It's a different playing Gary Rowan, he's out of the goal square, he's marking the footy, he's confident, tackling. You know, you look at these young players, they're not, apart from Close, who still is 22, played a lot of senior football at Santa Fe, you know, Parfit, all these guys have got 30, 50 games. So I just think their bottom five is a better bottom five than 
previous years. 2020, the year of the cat. Now, let's finish the show <laughs> with a bang. I'm going to get Croft's best bet, and Jimmy's going to give us Monday's headline. Uh, l- last time I tipped against my beloved Hawks. Um, you were right. I was right, and I'm tipping against them again. Uh, the Bulldogs will win, and they'll win well. Um, there's a lot at stake, but they need to really win by a bit of a margin, you know. So 25 points plus against the Hawks this week with the Bulldogs to uh, to dish out. That'd be a, a good uh, wildcard team to make the finals, the Doggies too. Well, their midfield's so strong, you know, and they've got really, uh, lots of run and, and lots of people that can float through there. So that's, you know, and now Hunter's back into form and, and you've got Dunkley now back in form after missing a bit. Of, so, yeah, so they're, they're a danger. They're a danger to anyone that's playing them over the next month or so. Monday's headline will read... Clarko calls for a new rule change. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that one? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what he said it on. He's had a go at every little piece. No, Clarko, Clarko calls for a new arc man. You know, the Hawks were three and one before he started complaining about the umpiring. They've won one game since. Yeah, I don't think it's got anything to do with the no, umpiring, though. Ah, you know? yeah. um, but so with Clarko, you know, having a little go uh, on the weekend against St Kilda in their game style and whatever. On the back of that, he actually complimented um, them for being able to change, you know, their game style during the game, which wasn't really reported. But do you like the coaches coming out and and just sort of telling us what they're really thinking? Because he's done that a few times and he's up against Luke Beveridge, who was an assistant at Hawthorne and very much in the trenches with him for a while. So... It might be the same this week again. He might go whack to another former colleague. It's good. It finally makes those coaches' press conferences interesting. <laughs> and who cares? Like If it puts a bit of spice on the next time they meet, good. That's what the game's about. What? They're the most competitive blokes in the world, coaches. Just get a little angry. Tell yeah. us what you really We haven't think. spoken about it. a press conference since Mick Malthouse and Mark Stevens used to go <laughs> head-to-head for that little period yeah, but, of time. But we love that. Who, who, from the coach's point of view, is the most boring coach when it comes to talking about the, uh, you know, post-match and, and what's going on. Who do you think? Well, no, I've got a feeling I know who you're going to say. Well, who are you going to say? Is it a Melbourne-based side? Oh, I've got a Melbourne-based side, yeah. Well, Goodwin's the one that doesn't say anything. Okay. Well, that's all. That's I was just asking which one, and you've told us, and we probably agree. Yeah, I think David Teague's in, he's making it. T- yeah, everything's fine at Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? When you hear him, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I like his positivity, but yeah, sometimes. No, uh, I want coaches to lose it after games. Show it a passion. Oh, especially the players too. Don't worry about protecting them. You know, if they did, like on, on the weekend when there was an effort from a few teams, you got to rip in. Like they they deserve it. They know it's coming, and you got to show your frustration. The supporters need it. Like Essendon, Essendon go. Oh, our second half was okay against Geelong. Yeah, why was it good? Because Geelong gave up, said, let's just... just yeah, we're up by 15 goals. Take it easy. Uh, and then they take a lot out of that. So, you know, I, I want the coaches to rip in and just tell us exactly how it is. And you know what? Players these days, they go and they sit down with the coaches and they go, coaches say, how would you like your feedback? Oh, yeah, can you not, can you not have a go at me in front of the team? Can you not have a go at me in front of, you know, any of my teammates? So all of a sudden, coaches can't really rip in because they go, oh, hang on, Jimmy Bartell said, please don't rip into me in front of the group because it, it deflates me a bit. So you've got all these players that are coming through. They're getting the feedback how they want it and it's restricting the coaches from actually launching in. Whereas I think all the coaches go, do you know what? 
I'm going to do it how I want. And sometimes you have to take a bit of criticism between the eyes. And if it's in front of your teammates, well, it's in front of your teammates. Next year when Jimmy's coaching an AFL club, how do you think he'll go, Shane? Uh, he'll be amazing. I see Tactically incredible. He was a wonderful player himself. And uh, he'll be the missing ingredient to a real key side that needs someone like him. <laughs> you too. I'm going to bring into my interview. Yeah, there you go. There's my interview. There's my references. Now, which clubs, James, would you give James. an interview for? Who would you sit down if they said, would you be keen? You're being silly Gold now. Coast, definitely. Gold oh, Coast re-signed I think Stewie Jew's okay. No, no, I'm just saying, I thought you were giving him a free choice at any side. But, yeah, Melbourne would be a great fit, you know. Yep. Well, Why are we still talking about this? The Giants, I know they've re-signed yeah, Leon, Leon, but, um, you know, you know the club intimately and what they need. So I think that'd be a good fit. <laughs> Maybe Clarko's going to... Uh, Sam Mitchell's there. He's, he's next in line, isn't he? Well, I, I don't know. You go through the interview process and you'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. Is that it, Nick? I think so. Yeah, good. We'll miss you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and what a magnificent podcast it's been. You've been listening to Tabs Inside 50. Croft put away the board games. The AFL rolls on and so does Tabs AFL Same Game Multi where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to tap account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858.